Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Habitat Podcast, where we are here to become better habitat managers. As always, I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, here with another great episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank the listeners, first off, for coming back once again. We love you guys and appreciate all your support. Brian's on the other line. Brian, what are we talking about today? Now we're going to be talking with Ben Consitis. He's the uh, head guy over at Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. We'll be diving into some big woods deer deer hunting in his deer camp up in the UP. Uh, you guys heard me complain about my hour and a half drive to my place after listening how far Ben goes. I don't think I'll be complaining, or a lot of our listeners will be complaining anymore. He also goes into some uh, information about getting the DNR to help you with trees. A lot of states have programs. Um, his home state of Michigan does get you some uh, nice seedlings to get started, and he also found a way to get them to help you plant them. So, looking forward to talking to that, talking about that. It's going to be a great episode. Heck yeah, man! And we are in the middle of the beginning of habitat season, I guess I'll call it. You've been busy up at your farm. What you been up to? Yeah, the trees are starting to roll in. Uh, FedEx and UPS have been dropping off boxes every couple days. Um, got my trees from Morse Nursery. Charlie sent me uh, five Chinese chestnuts and five kefir pears. So you know how much work goes into that. It's not just digging a hole and putting them in the ground. you got to mulch them and get them caged and screened and staked. And uh, Spent the day doing that in between the rain showers. Um, when it was raining too heavy, I even got my Packer Max call to Packer put together and looking forward to putting that to work here pretty soon. Heck yeah, man. And if anybody has not been on our Facebook recently, Brian actually went live on the Habitat Podcast Facebook. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you, I watched the videos. You were, first of all, building the cages. And second of all, you right. then were planting the trees, mulching caging throughout the whole process. So if somebody has never done this before, uh, maybe there's a listener out there who hasn't planted a tree uh, in this correct way, they can go on our Facebook, watch your live videos, and see exactly how you do it. Yeah, and that's that's the way that's worked for me over the years at my property. Like I always say, I try to give people some good tips, and it may or may not work at your place, but uh, and, and there's always a 100 ways to skin a cat. 
but uh, I think it's a good base for people to get started from, and hopefully they'll be able to pull some good tips from those videos. Well, they're, they're great videos, man. Nice job getting the work done up there. I've been uh, growing some chestnuts here in the basement from our friend Phil Lincoln. He was a podcast episode uh, a few episodes back. I have about, I don't know, a dozen of those going. They're looking pretty good. Um, and then I was uh, I also did a little edge feathering probably, it's probably already two weeks ago now, um, on my food plot, trying to hinge some real nice big trees to try to pinch those deer down a little bit closer to my tree stand. So trying to add cover, you know, going from that food to cover transition we always talk about in the podcast. But it's habitat season. Sure. Um, it's time to plant those trees. I know my Morse order is coming in with uh, Corey, our episode 40 guest. He ordered a big order through the QDMA, and those are coming in, uh, I believe, in about two or three weeks. So i got to go stock up on the fencing and all that stuff, too. So you got a head start on me, Brian. I love it. Good work. <laughs> Next are the conifers. we got a couple hundred Norway spruce coming. Oh, that a boy. That a boy. I'm also going to try to do some willow cuttings again, um, just the whole shove in the, in the wet ground method. Have you done those before? I have not, but okay. that's definitely something I'm going to be getting into because uh, it works, it's fast, and it's cheap. Yeah, definitely fast and cheap and comfy, right? That's always like we like to say. <laughs> um Hopefully the the competition where I'm going to plant those will not outdo them, and hopefully they'll take off. But it's a cheap, quick investment, and uh, can add cover, you know, two to three foot a year with those hybrid willows or those streamco willows. So, anywho, guys, it's habitat season. We're back with another episode here with Ben Considers from the Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. We would like to thank MWP for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, the season ten is coming out this fall, so be sure to check them out on Facebook. Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. There's also a group on there called The Michigan Whitetail Pursuit where uh, many guys have been posting pics of their recent harvests and some of their habitat plans moving forward uh, 2019. So thank you guys for supporting the podcast. I also want to thank Lincoln Rowan at the Packer Max line of Cultipackers. We get $50 off any Packer Max Cultipacker you want. You just have to call Lincoln. I know he's getting some new dealers in Wisconsin and in northern Michigan over the last couple of weeks. So you may uh, have one closer than you think. If not, he'll ship them to you. Uh, that's included uh, in the price, I believe. So 50 bucks off if you mention the Habitat podcast. Nick Nation with the Habitat hook. He's next on the list. Nick's been with us uh, for a while. Brian and I are both rocking the aluminum extendable hook. And I don't know, Brian. I don't plan on ever hinge cutting without one. I know this may sound real cliche and all that, but you don't have to cut the tree as far if you can push it over and get that leverage. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and just to have the ability to put it exactly where you want it to go. I don't know how I've went so long without one. Yeah, well, you, were you very accurate? <laughs> oh, super accurate. <laughs> of course. Like, of Tom, course. like Tom Brady out there throwing bullseyes. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Well, Nick, we want to thank you for supporting the podcast as well. Uh, next, guys, we have Killer Food Plots. I know Nick's getting a lot of requests for property tours right now. Also, getting a lot of requests for soil tests. So if you need a soil test, reach out to Nick at KillerFoodPlots.com, and he will happily help you test your soil, figure out how to amend it, and what crops and seeds will be good for uh, your plan this year. Uh, last but not least, we have Gabe from Dip That Hydrographics. I still do not have a ton of information on his injuries, but I know he's uh, he's smiling in a couple Facebook pictures, so that's good to see, buddy. And, uh, you know, his, his GoFundMe is online, and, and we're donating and sharing and praying for you, Gabe. So, guys, check out Gabe at Dip That Hydrographics on Facebook. Uh, you can also find his information on the Habitat Podcast dot com website or our facebook uh that's enough for me for now thank our sponsors once again for supporting the show and now we're very excited to talk with ben concitus from the michigan whitetail pursuit up hunting and habitat management
All right, guys. We have Ben Consitis on the line. How you doing tonight, Ben? Wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. No, I've been looking forward to it. It's always a good time to talk to a fellow Michigander and, and try to explain to Brian, you know, how our deer hunting is so much harder than his, and he's got it so easy down there in Ohio, and you know the drill. <laughs> oh, Brian, I gotta tell Ben that I live in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, I, I do understand the, the pressure and the and, and a little bit of toughness. This year it was kind of easy, but that's very rare. Oh no, I'm I'm just razzing. You hunt your butt off too, buddy. You sure do. <laughs> So, but Ben, thanks for coming on. Um, you know how we always start this thing. We want to know who you are, where you're from. Tell us all about you. Maybe a favorite story growing up. Whatever you got, go ahead. Sure thing. Well, again, uh, I just appreciate you know the opportunity to to meet with you guys. Um, talk hunting, talk about habitat. Um, boys, like you said, it's a good time. Um, so, yeah, you know, actually I was born in Ohio, but I uh, only lived there for a year, so that's nowhere near long enough to uh, be a Buckeye fan, that's for sure. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm shocking this episode um, one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> but, yeah, so I grew up in uh, West Michigan uh, on the outskirts of a, a little town called Hudsonville, a uh, heavy agricultural area. Um you know, uh, just always been passionate about uh, being outdoors. Um, while a lot of my buddies were out chasing girls, I was out packing a backpack and thermos and a sandwich and heading out to the woods just for long walks, you know, till dark kind of thing. And just, I've always been just kind of crazy about the outdoors and, and enjoying, you know, God's creation. Um, you know, eventually... That wonderful woman, Amy, I've been married to her for uh, 24 years now, and she is awesome, super supportive uh, for the sickness I have for honey. Um, she uh, got infected by it as well, so she, she hunts, and uh, we have three wonderful kids, uh, Shai, McKenna, and Ben Jr., that all hunt as well. Um, it's kind of a, you know, a family deal. I'm, I'm excited that pass it on to, uh, you know, my kids, and, uh, you know, I have a day job, you know, it's a family business I own with my brothers, uh, it's a managed IT company, uh, focused on, like, network security, internet security, website development, app development, all those kinds of things. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, and then, uh, that's based right out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then, um... Also, I uh, help manage Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, and uh, we're super excited because we got nine seasons under our belt now, and uh, we're we're in pursuit of our tenth season, highlighting uh, just got an awesome team that is just passionate hunters. They're self-filming, sharing their pursuit of the almighty whitetail. <laughs> yes, yeah. and these guys, uh, as a team, I'm proudly a part of and yes, these guys are. put down some some great hunts on film and I mean you mentioned your wife has the sickness too not only does she has have the sickness but I'm pretty sure last year she went out by herself and self-filmed shooting a buck on camera right she did it's unreal <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs> she was showing up. <laughs> oh I know I know matter of fact my episode was shared with her and it was just it was awesome I mean it's uh, it's cool to see her, you know, have that passion, and I know your family's into it too, and it's just yeah. great to hear about that. So that's awesome, Ben. Yeah. So you know, uh, again, you know, just really have you know, kind of always loved the outdoors. Grew up with a uh, dad who had kind of a hobby farm, and so he introduced us to a, a chainsaw nice and early, and. Uh, you know, just uh, we heated the house with wood. We he, he liked to keep the the, the place in tip top shape. So we, uh, you know, got real familiar with uh, managing habitat around the, the house, <laughs> if you will. Um, which of course, you know, created a good foundation for me in the future. You know, when I went from, you know, that those seasons that a hunter experiences from just going to 
just wanting to get a deer under my belt to thinking uh, more intentional about my seasons and where I want to improve my properties and things like that. That's one of those transitions that uh, a lot of people make from, you know, filling the tag to to all the stuff that come after that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Tell us about a favorite story growing up in the outdoors, and then we'll get this thing rolling. Sure. Well, of course, you know, um, all the first deer that I've been able to be a part of, not only for my own first deer, um, but, you know, each of my kids, I've been with many nieces and nephews with their first. I was with my wife with her first. And so all those, you know, times were really special. I, I can speak for mine, you know, story-wise, personally. You know, I was in high school, and by the time I got into hunting, I was the youngest in my family of five. And, and by the time I kind of got interested uh my dad was out of it by then. And so I, I kind of went a lot self-taught, you know, as far as uh, hunting went. And so my first, I don't know, three years, I don't know how many deer I missed, but it was too many. You know, it just, I really struggled <laughs> to get a deer down. And it was so frustrating, but I'm almost glad that I had those hardships because it, it just made me want it more. But I got to tell you when my first deer actually came out i i got ready and i just had a uh, pump shotgun and old stevens uh open sights and i i put the sights on it and i i couldn't be any more calm because i knew i was gonna miss (laughs) (laughs) so i i'm like here goes another miss and i i level down i put it you know right behind the shoulder like i should and i i squeeze that trigger and that buck dropped right in his tracks. And I was so shocked. I kind of look around, and I'm like, did somebody else shoot? Because <laughs> I know there's no way I could have hit that thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyways, I'll obviously never forget it. It was such a, a joyful moment. Um, yeah, it's it's just one of my greatest memories for sure. I mean, it's definitely what – screwed me up for the rest of my life for just being, you know, <laughs> sick for these animals. <laughs> yeah. So, Ben, tell us a little bit about where you're working on property now, where you have your property at, and uh, are you yeah. doing most of your hunting there or there and other places? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have property real close to home um, that I manage. Um, there's some power lines that are adjacent to the lease property that I have. The lease property I have is heavy timber, real mature timber. And, uh, this past, uh, 2018, it had a decent logging, uh, slot cut that had happened. So all the tops are laying there. Um, obviously great for deer. Um, and then I lease the power lines for, farming a crop in there and so that's where all my food plots go it's already cleared um, there's no issues there and I don't hunt it but I can hunt you know all the animals that you know are on their way to and, and from it kind of thing um, plenty of water around and things like that so that's that's nice because I can just get right out from the house kind of thing with the family and, and get a lot of easy seat time in um, so this past season I filmed it you know, at least a couple of deer that, that I've taken out of there. Um, and so then uh, just north of uh, my office where I work, we have a family piece of property. And we're on, I believe, year three now of doing uh, food plots, screen plots, um, all kinds of things going on there that we're just really excited about because, um, you know, we finally got enough tonnage there to, to feed what's what's in the area and and we have a a dear friend that's into um habitat management himself he's been consulting with my brother chris and i which is one of my best hunting buddies um and just kind of that advice has really changed things for us um because we we kind of maybe thought we knew something about this stuff going into it but got humbled in a hurry <laughs> kind of thing. So it's nice uh, having somebody around us that, 
it knew the you know, what we were doing. Um, and then I have property way up in the UP that's a deer camp that I own. I've owned it for almost 20 years now. I've always wanted that deer camp experience with the guys. It's that tradition. You go up and and uh, experience the big woods. And so I, I own a 40 up in the UP. And uh, we've 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 won some and we've lost some as far as habitat management up there. It's obviously very different terrain. Um, it's near, um, you know, various mining areas. You got old railroad beds going through woods, and uh, there's old, uh, you know, logging roads and that that we initially in the early years took advantage of for putting our plots in those because they were already cleared, you know. Um, little did we know that that railroad bed actually still had railroad components under that soil, so that was pretty hard on the rototiller the wow. first time. <laughs> oh, man. But, but yeah, my, my brother, Chris, uh, again, one of my best hunting buddies, he has, uh, you know, the Kubota and the tiller and the brush hog and, you know, all the the right toys that we need, you know, to, to make those jobs a little bit more pleasant anyways, but it's still right. it's a, long, a long trek, so it's a very intentional season for us you know it's not we got to really think plan you know what we're going to do our plan of attack and um you know so for that property uh you know i picked it up in 2001 i found that there was a the soil conservation district that was local had a uh like a state funded forester that i could reach out to and, uh, you know, I had never experienced anything like that. Uh, so he had come out, met me at the property. We did a, you know, initial walkthrough, and, and he gave me some suggestions and kind of gave me some pamphlets that I could go off of if I wanted to hire, like, a private forester for my own interest type of thing. And, sure. uh, yeah, from there, you know, we uh, – we didn't know anything about soil tests or soil samples or anything like that. We just kind of started tearing after it, you know, trying to get some plots going. And, uh, you know, that, that didn't go real well with that approach. <laughs> now, how long does that take you to get up there from where you're at? It's uh, about eight and a half hours. It can be 11, wow. you know, if you got enough gear that you're pulling and, you know, rest stops, all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a commitment. And how did you end up up there? What What made you decide to put the investment in that far away? Sure. Well, as uh, same brother, my brother Chris, his father-in-law actually owned it, never had hunted it, picked it up, uh, I think through a tax okay. or something like that. And I had heard that he was interested in, in selling it. He'd owned it maybe five years and started Talked to him about it, and then Chris and I did a quick trip. It was like, uh, you know, we didn't sleep. Basically, we drove up there, checked it out for a few <laughs> hours, figured I wanted it, and then came back and, you know, I bought it kind of thing. And, you know, again, I was just, I was in my 20s. I wanted to own my own chunk of dirt so bad, you know, have my own camp and, and start building something. And so it was, Absolutely. You know, it was affordable. You know? So, so it's, it's very cool. habitat up there for us how, how does it differ up there from what you're used to down in the southern part of michigan yeah so very very different you know southern part of michigan a lot of agriculture flat land um that kind of thing where up there uh in a more of a sandy loam where i'm at you know back home up there very rocky um 100 to 200 foot elevations you know, pretty conti- pretty uh, uh, continuously. Um, you know, our our joke kind of is it doesn't matter where you're standing, you're on a hill <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, there is uh, water, uh, several creeks running close to camp. Um, big, tall maple, mature uh, timber forest in in the area that I'm at. Uh, so a lot of maple hardwood predominantly on the property uh to the south where it gets a little bit low uh there's nice thick uh uh, red spruce and black spruce um 
And so we, we, we find the deer really seem to favor that. Any of those, uh, you know, the, the fir trees, those, those kind of pockets of those are where they, they tend to connect, those pinch points, things like that. Um, so that's something that we're seeking out to uh, get more of on the property in the future. Because the majority of the property is that, you know, open, mature hardwoods. Um, okay. Back in 2010, uh, I had worked with a forester to negotiate a sale of 30%, up to 30% of my timber to have it harvested so the sun can finally reach the ground again and get some right. regrowth, something the deer can reach. Um, that was definitely a good move <laughs> that helped. Um, we, um, in recent years, I, let's see, around 2017, so after the, so uh, just to back up a little bit, around 2013, 2014, 2015, the UP up at camp there, we had just a devastating amount of winters and snow that, like, mm-hmm. literally wiped out, like, 90% of the herd. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, it was it was tough. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a morale kick, right, you know, for camp. But, you know, we, we, we stuck with it. And uh, so I, I went to meet with a forester again out there. And you know how in the spring they have those seedling orders you can do? I don't know if they do that in Pennsylvania, Brian. Do they have, like, a sure, seedling orders yes. you can do? Okay. So it was that type of thing. And I wanted to walk the property with them. I just kind of – I had a game plan in my mind, which was um, – so the property is, you know, a quarter mile by a quarter mile. And to the south, just on the public land, there is a huge amount of these coniferous trees that provide great cover and, I'm sure, warmth for the deer through these winters. And the deer just seem to, to favor that for their travel corridors. So then, that being said, it almost seems like the north end of my property, while it's beautiful with the big maple hardwoods through the the rolling hills, it's not very productive from a hunting standpoint. And, and anything that would offer the deer anything for survival and things like that, there's no real investment there. So I, my thought was, you know, what if we, with those trees being cleared out and the sunlight finally reaching the ground, what if I get a bunch of coniferous-type seedlings and really mimic what we have to the south there to the north? Um, so it seemed logical to me, kind of walked through the, the whole idea with the forester and, and it, it was kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, see him as knowing plenty more than me, but he, he's like, wow, I don't think I would have came up with this. He goes, this is a, that's a fantastic idea. And it was cool because, uh, like, uh, I could see his passionate about it too, you know, so that was just sure. me. So he, he hands me the seedling form. And then I see something on the form I had never seen on one of those order sheets before, um, and it mentions a grant that's available. Uh, it's a grant with the DNR. It's called Deer Habitat Improvement Partnership Initiative Grant Program. And I, nice. I, yeah, and so it's a, a deal with the, I think, the DNR through the Soil Conservation District and different hunting clubs and different groups. You know, they got their, their set of guidelines, and evidently I I meet those guidelines. And so uh, it was really neat because as I it's, – it's still a cost-share program, but it's – I mean, the seedling program as it is is a great deal. Anybody should take advantage of that. I mean, those trees are at a, a ridiculously good price. But this yeah. was even further discounted, yeah, at a, a, a more significant level. So in the end, over the years of 2017 and 2018, I was able to get over 2,000, see, balsam firs, white pine, white spruce, white cedar, tamarack, and Norway spruce planted on that north end of the property in a shape, creating a future nice little pinch. Um, Very nice. Yeah, and then, uh, 
you know, as I was going back to that order sheet, as I was looking through it, I noticed this line item with an acronym that I didn't know what it meant. So I, you know, naturally my concern is, you know, kind of like we just went through is how far away my property is. And, you know, I don't want to waste these trees. i got to get them all on the ground. You know, that's kind of like the next big hurdle, right? It's so for sure. Uh, when I had asked him about what that acronym was, he goes, oh, that's, that's the cost if we plant them for you. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I mean, this, this cost oh, is like, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's way less than the gas to get up there, you know? <laughs> it's like, so, sure. like, literally for a few hundred bucks each of those years, I was able to get all these trees planted exactly where I wanted them on the property that had a forester working with me. I mean, what just... What an awesome program that is. Um, wow. They also planted apple trees, um, and, and these are, you know, they got five to seven foot whips on them with, you know, protectors around the, and they're they're staked, and I mean they're they're installed. Wow. Um, oak, red oaks. Um, let's see, I got American plum, elderberry, uh, gray dogwoods. And all just with a, an intentional plan. So I'm really excited for what 10 years from now, what that's going to look like, you know. I can see why. That's fantastic. And I'm, I'm assuming, you know, unlike me who can watch the weather for dinner time and run up to my farm in an hour and a half, that, True. you know, your your management plan has got to be, you know, completely mapped out to the T before you head up there. So what what's it like managing that far away? Sure. Well, a lot of planning during these these months when I'm not there. Um, so I haven't been up there since, you know, our November gun season. Um, and then I'm kind of already thinking about this next year. I'm watching the weather just to see, you know, how harsh is this winter going to be, kind of preparing. Then we got things in Michigan going on, like the the whole CWD, you know, epidemic. You know, are they going to ban baiting and minerals statewide or not? You know, it already is for the lower peninsula. Uh, sure. It's, it's unknown for the upper peninsula. So how I'm already thinking is, you know, I haven't done food plots in several years um, because, you know, we've we've lost. You know, we we've we've done okay. You know, some of the food plots that we've had take, we've had, you know, it's like, okay, it looks good, but it looks like the deer ain't touching it. You know, it, it probably huh. tastes like crap to them, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, and, and it was basing it off a, a free, you know, soil test at the local elevator that they're just telling us the pH. But, you know, there's nothing more going into it. And so I've learned so much, even listening to Nick Percy, you know, on, on – on your podcast, you know, with the killer food plots. And, I mean, what a wealth of information there. Um, I think between him and and the guy that's helping us at our family property, my brother and I, we've just learned so much. So we're planning on going up uh, in a few weeks over spring break to get a soil sample, and I'm hoping we're not going to have to dig through three foot of snow to obtain that. But we're going to do it right. We're going to pay to get a good quality soil sample. And uh, we already know, have a pretty good idea anyways in our minds. Um, of course, we don't think we know everything, so we're, we're going to want to ask a lot of questions. But uh, in our minds, we got kind of a, a tentative game plan of, you know, where we want some screens going and, uh, you know, our kill plots and, you know, just some overall basic tonnage, you know, type of things. You know, give them, give them some varieties, you know, create that nice salad for the deer so they can pick a little bit of this and that, you know. Now that's awesome, Ben. And, you know, the whole thing with all your trees, those are, you know, food plots in themselves a few years from now. You're going to have so much food and mass coming down up there that it's really going to benefit, especially when you're that far away. I mean, it's, that's an awesome plan so far. Um, when you guys are doing the food and going up this spring, do you have any – Spots that were kind of already down to the dirt from last year? Any old plots or anything like that? Um, no. Okay. No, we we really don't. 
I just didn't know if frost eating was going to be any sort of an option, at least to oh, maybe sure. get some something going in the meantime that you could till under later or uh, help condition that soil a little bit. But uh, with all those yeah. rocks up there, you might have to prepare a little more, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a great point. You know, we we try and keep up on our brush hogging. That probably would have would have helped a little bit when you know in regards to the whole frost eating thing. But yeah, it's it's pretty much all. Especially uh, since the timber harvest that happened a couple or a few years ago, the there's a lot of sun hitting all of that now. That yeah, it's it's pretty long dead grasses right now. Okay, and what are you getting to come up? Where they harvested the timber, where the sun's hitting the ground. Anything specific that's starting to come up, or and and how long did it take to start seeing any benefit from that? Sure. Um, well, of course, there's the regeneration. You know, of all the – there's quite a bit of um, aspen through there. Um, and so there's a ton of, you know, shoots coming up from that. Oh, yeah. They tried to take the tops and push them kind of over the stumps to give them some hope of being able to actually grow to maturity at some point because, yeah, the deer are just on a feeding frenzy on it now. Um, but, That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, the as far as like the the logging roads and stuff like that, the they're pretty much all full of uh, raspberries. Okay. Um, you know, if there's anything mixed in there that's not really a great sign of the soil, is ferns. You know. Oh yeah. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Well, no, it sounds like you're doing you're doing it the right way, getting that soil tested and. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Nick and, and your guy who's been helping you all have a lot to say about what you can do up there. Um, what else have you done up there that's that's been successful? I mean, what, what has put some of these bucks on the ground for you out there? Was, is there anything in particular with your habitat manipulation? Sure. I would say the, the biggest um, help was um, different hinge cuts that we've done. You know, uh, creating more cover, especially in that open timber area. Um, you know, there's all kinds of raspberries and, and new growth along that that the deer are feeling more safe uh, traveling through those areas. And then, you know, just kind of more luck of the draw, the, the neighboring properties, we've got some really large chunks that got completely clear cut. So there's a ton of new generation happening on those properties. Okay. Yeah. So now I, I really think the key is going into this next season. Okay, let's let's draw them in to where they're they're loving being where we're at. You know, they can go ahead and browse all those other, you know, the new new uh, you know regenerations happening from those trees. But let's give them a a nice smorgasbord there that they they prefer. Um, we do have some natural apple trees and uh, black cherries around the property as well. Um, but then um, I would like to really focus on just creating areas where they can feel more safe being around camp. So I'd almost like to um, drop, get some type of good barrier going like a wall right around camp itself. Yep. Um, sometimes I feel like we're we're a bit out in the open, and we aren't really hunting right on top of camp, but we're uh, often on the outskirts, you know. And sure. uh, we do a lot of public land, but it's, you know, it's. Um, I'd prefer to be kind of the same ideas back home, you know, hunt them, you know, on their way to the to the food, right, and and uh, have them be uh, hanging around at camp, feeling safe there. When we're not there, it would be, would be fantastic. But then, yeah, when we do show up, I don't want it to, you know, mess things up. No, I I feel the same way. I just did a hinge-cut barrier around my parking area on my property um, for that exact reason. I mean, I don't hunt too far away from my vehicle, so any wall or barrier I can build there, um, just a visual barrier, you know, it's, it's all you need to help them feel safe sometimes. So I like yeah. that idea. 
And I'm sure you guys aren't sitting inside all the time when you're up there hanging out, so probably wouldn't yeah. be a bad idea. Yep. Definitely thinking, well, you can't shoot them from the couch. Although it is nice when I finally do head to camp and I uh, I can see from a distance that that wood burner is cranked and then, uh, <laughs> I know somebody beat me there, which is fantastic. Cause that means the camp's nice and warm. <laughs> so who's the official wood burner or uh, stove stoker up there? <laughs> Whoever returns first. There you go. <laughs> Okay, now what else are you doing up there on your property, or what else have you tried up there that maybe didn't go so well? And, you know, this even could go from your property downstate. I mean, you're down here more. You might even have more time to get stuff done down here. What other stuff have you done up there? Sure. Probably, you know, I would say the biggest lesson learned on that, you know, what didn't go well is to drive all the way up there uh, without – with a plan without ever having a, a, a true soil test. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I was just, you know, even the soil conservation gentleman, he was really nice. He handed me a book. It was probably 200 pages of what the general soil is in the entire county. And I just figured that would be good enough, but it's, it's not, you know. Um, so that, I really... Honestly, I think that's the number one thing, you know, have be equipped with a good soil test and then surround yourself with somebody that, you know, knows what they're doing to, to kind of help mentor you through that process a bit, you know, um, because to, to drive, you know, a thousand plus miles round trip and, uh, without really knowing what you're doing, that's, that's pretty expensive and, I value my time a lot more now, so I gotta <laughs> oh, have a yeah. game plan, you know. Got to. Um, so yeah, that that's that's really the the big thing, Jared. I, I would say, and Brian, you know, that for us, you know, the and then uh, yeah, just education overall. You know, there's just a lot that we've learned over the years. You know, I, the things that did work well, I can't even take credit for because they're almost you know, I fell into it, right? Or it was just a blessing, you know, from above. Because uh, to talk to that forester about the seedling order and then find out there's this grant program and, you know, I'm, I'm dropping, you know, two to 300 bucks and I'm getting over a 1,000 trees planted in one year for my benefit. I mean, come Good on. I, I mean, wow. that's, that's amazing. And like you said, that's the best. That's a great food plot right there in the future, you know. Oh, my gosh, um, for sure. So that that was great, and to be able to do that two years in a row was just fantastic. But, again, you know, I just kind of fell into that. Um, the tree harvest, the timber harvest, you know, I was just curious, you know. I had a private forester come out and talk a little bit about arranging a sale of my timber for me, and, you know, it worked out that, you know, I've owned the property now almost 18 years, and the sale of the timber on that property covered all the taxes I ever paid on that property, plus help fund, you know, some other things for the property to help improve it. So that was, you know, I knew I would pull That's some awesome. money out of it, but I didn't know it would be that nice of a benefit, you know. And then I learned from the forester that you can write off these trips to improve your property on your taxes. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, and I, I didn't know that, you know. So that's another whoa, 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 kind of whoa. Out there. How what part of this can you write <laughs> off? Yeah, this got my interest. Well if you want I think I got a pamphlet on it, I can send okay. it over to you. Interesting. I mean it's not going near as far as you guys are, but um that is very interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, sure. Um now Anything else up there that uh, that that timber harvest has helped you with? I'm trying to get somebody on mine. Mine's been cut before, but they left a bunch of trees that I still want down. Um, swamp oak and, and some maple, and, and they missed a few trees on my property too. I kind of have an L shape, and they they didn't cut the bottom part of the L. 
but I'm having trouble getting anybody coming in there for that that small of a, a property now was it easy to get somebody in on yours working with that forester yeah it was very easy okay. uh, in Maybe fact I should try yeah I think I found um, like six to nine different foresters rather quickly and I think what I did is and again it's just because I I admittedly you know I admit I don't know what I'm doing here so I'm gonna have to get three or four proposals and kind of stack them against each other because you know I I, mean, I don't know otherwise so I'm, I'm looking for them to say some a consistent message to me right so if one's saying you should have 70% of your trees cut and the other says you should have 30% cut, you know, that's that's a pretty staunch difference there, right, of opinions. Oh, yeah. So then, but they're both experts and I'm not, so what do I do with that, right? So I'm going to look for that consistent message where there's some agreeing on the best habitat plan for for what my goals are, you know. So if I want more grouse habitat or I want more whitetail habitat, if I want more wintering type areas or I want more food, browse, you know, what what does that look like? What are what are the goals for property? So I to and it sounds like you're already, you know, beyond that stage with your property, but to have that that kind of plan and then, you know, kind of use them to, to help you reach those goals. But so so I did find some that were a little bit they they even might have been making the same recommendations but still the the proposal of what the sale would bring yield me cash wise was was notably different between them. Okay. Of course you want referrals, you know. Uh, yeah. so they'll go in of course mark all the trees that they're gonna take and you know, I drove up there to check them all out, you know, make sure that keep everybody honest. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean I've heard But yeah, the gentleman so. I used was phenomenal. Did, okay. just definitely delivered. And are you seeing any other wildlife, animals, grouse, bear, anything else benefiting from this stuff, or is it pretty much just Absolutely. the deer, or what else is going up there? Uh, bear, uh, pr- pretty much everything that lives up there. <laughs> I just love it up there because you got fishers, you got pine martens, you got ermines, you got black bear, you got you know whitetail, of course, bobcat. Snowshoe hares, you know, ton of that stuff that we don't have back here at home. So that's that's so exciting. But yeah, I would say the the wildlife overall, not just whitetail, but also whitetail, all of that has increased tremendously since that sun's been able to reach the the floor again, you know, and, and get some new growth going. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. I think one of the themes I think one of the themes that we keep touching on here, Ben, is uh how much help that you get. And I think that's overlooked a lot of times because with this habitat stuff and us going out and getting properties, most of us are do it yourself types and we think, Oh, I I wanna do it all myself but there is a wealth of uh knowledge and information out there if you just take a minute and reach out like you, I've got a, a good friend I've become really good friends with the last few years, and he's been in the nursery business and knows the ins and outs of trees and fertilizer, and it's just really shortened my learning curve. So I think that's one thing I want to keep hammering home to our listeners is don't be afraid to uh, look for some help or reach out for help when you got the chance to. Absolutely. Yep. I, I've, I've learned it firsthand. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right there. Now, you mentioned uh, the grants with the trees and a little bit of help money-wise from the government with the trees. Is there any other government programs you're familiar with? Not that I'm familiar with. I would say, um, you know, a good place for anybody to start um, because it seems like the program is not, you know, uh, exclusively for that area, but, but I think it may even exist for a good portion of our state anyways. But to reach out to the soil uh, conservation district, see if there is a, you know, a free uh, uh, forester that that could come walk the property with any, if they haven't taken advantage of that, I mean, that's, that's just, to me, that's a no-brainer. Um, 
you can learn so much about your property. I've always been kind of a, a tree nut anyway, so I, I know I can identify most of the trees on my property, but and you can't, they can, and including right down to, you know, what this weed is over that weed and which uh, wildlife it's beneficial to. Um, they're just kind of a walking encyclopedia for that stuff. And then um, they're very aware of those grants that, you know, you asked me about. So that's that's where I would start. Okay, that sounds good. And uh, give us a rundown. What What's on your upcoming project list, whether it be for the further property away up in the UP or what, what you're doing back closer to home? Sure. Um, so back home, uh, close to home here, of course, we have the woods that um, had the, the timber harvest last summer. So there's a lot of open areas there. We're right now seeking out to gain some knowledge on how we could leverage that. Is there anything that we could plant in that, uh, you know, sunshade mix type area that would be uh, productive uh, food-wise uh, in with the cover, um, as well as, of course, along that power line stretch that I lease, uh, we'll, we'll re-farm that and put, um, generally we put corn in there just more than anything. Uh, it stops the road gawkers from staring on what's going on on the property, stuff like that. Just it gives the wildlife, uh, they're much more comfortable just traveling through there then. Um, what, so what's that, the size of that corn that you're putting in? About how many acres? Not much at all. Um, just a few couple. It's, it's okay. probably, um, let's see, it'd be, 250 yards long by um, 30 yards wide, 40 yards wide, maybe. Yeah, that's about a perfect strip of corn. Yeah. And uh, that works out well because I got a a farmer up the road uh, that I work a barter with. I do some work for him, and he brings all his big equipment in and just bangs it out for me. So that's, that's nice. Um, Definitely. Yeah, so that that works for there. Then uh, up at the family property, that's that's maybe an hour from home. That's the one I said we're you know about three years into our plots. That's where I got my ten point last season. My daughter shot a nice mature doe out of there. Um, you know that property is just uh, we've been seeing nicer and nicer bucks. You know year over year. Uh, we just plan on, you know, re reseeding, you know, all those areas. Um, you know, we put a couple tons of lime down to begin with. You know, of course, we'll nice. check it and see how that all looks. Um, make sure everything's healthy. There's areas that were so incredibly depleted and sandy that, like, literally, not, I don't think a cactus would grow in it. <laughs> and <laughs> we, we did get some wheat to grow in there, so we're trying to build some soil in there again that's worthwhile. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we've had a lot of – that's where one of my favorite turkey hunting spots. Um, so we got a ton of clover that's been very successful and uh, evidently tasty there, so that, that should help this spring uh, with the turkey hunting as well, of course. And then the UP, yeah, we just kind of went through that as far as, you know, I, I, I'd really get, like to get back to a good game plan of planting uh, food plots again. And then, uh, you know, just encourage all those seedlings that were planted, you know, keep them to hopefully where they're getting some sunlight and beating out the other competition that's around them. Perfect. Perfect. Now, uh, one last thing before we get to turkeys. Um, I've asked this question on here a few times before. What is your favorite tree to plant? Hmm. That's a great question. And then just in case you have more than one, because most people do. I do. Uh, <laughs> what, what's your favorite tree to hunt out of? Sure. Um, favorite tree to hunt out of is any tree that's actually three trees. <laughs> <laughs> So I could tuck myself inside there, yeah. The same way. Um, yeah, I've, and I've had some of those. Uh, I, I jump in a lot of oak trees for sure. Um, 
There's a lot of pin oak around home. Um, setting up a nose, if I can get like a coniferous tree that, you know, it's one of those that starts growing like only four feet away from it, the base of it. So then you can almost tuck yourself in with that too to kind of oh, yeah. from getting skyline. That's nice. You know, maybe take one pine bough out of it and get a nice little shooting lane. But then once you, you know, move your body out of that shooting lane, there's, there's no way you could get picked off in a million years. Um, but yeah, back, back to favorite tree, you know, uh, you know, I definitely it's going to be, you know, something like a white pine or, um, you know, any any oak, you know, white oaks. Um, those are definitely my favorites. For some reason, a cherry, you know, like big big cherry trees, I, I love those just as trees themselves. It doesn't really, I don't really have a hunting reason in mind. Sure. I just think they're magnificent trees. No, perfect. Yep. Perfect. That's awesome. Yep. Now, moving towards turkey season, we're not too far away from it here in Michigan. Um, and I know, Brian, you can't be far away from it either. Uh, what do you got planned for turkey season and uh, and the Michigan Whitetail Pursuit team? Sure. Well, we're getting excited, you know. Um, <laughs> we've been... Uh, cooped up a bit since deer season so uh now we're finally getting uh some weather that's you know we're gonna see 50s and 60s this week so snow's disappearing fast and, and we're okay with it so yeah uh turkey season will begin what around april 20th i think for early season maybe 20 seconds somewhere in there um i'm usually a fan of you know i got several people that um are hoping I'll, I'll take them out, and I'm, I'm hoping to get them out. Um, so generally my game plan is our our early season is very short, you know, 10 days or whatever. Um, my wife has never taken a, a time yet, so I'm, I'm going to be focused on uh, guiding her uh, for the early season, and then uh, I'm sure I'll pick up a tag myself for the early so hopefully we'll both put the smack down on a couple of nice gobblers. And then for the month of May, uh, our hunt was at Hunt 234. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My my kids are all ready. <laughs> They're hoping that I'll, I'll get them out, which is great. I love that time with them. Um, we do a lot of running and gunning during that time. Um, and then I've got a couple of nephews that want to get out as well. So I'm, I'm planning on doing that. And so, yeah, the whole Michigan Whitetail Pursuit team, we, we flip over to Michigan Turkey Pursuit mode for a while um, and start tromping the, the swamps, public land, private land, what whatever, and uh, start getting some gobblers down on film. And, of course, we'll have those up on our, our YouTube channel, and we'll uh, share our stories. Heck, yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody's hunts. Um I wish you guys luck. And, and, Brian, what do you have planned for your turkey season coming up? Well, it opens a week before the PA season in Ohio. Uh, it's been hit or miss the last couple of years. I got a lot of raccoons at my farm that I need to put some of those dog-proof traps in effect from some of our past guests who've given us some great info because I don't think my turkey poults are – getting hatched as, as uh, big of a brood as they should. But, yeah, I'll be definitely hitting hard in Pennsylvania. We've got a lot of turkeys around home here and makes it easy to hunt them. Heck, yeah, very nice. I know uh, – and when is your start? When's Ohio MPA? Uh, I want to say it's the – towards the uh, second part of April. It, they, okay. they both come in pretty late. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm not sure. I, I've had a couple times on my property in the past, but um, usually for for turkeys, I like to be able to hunt a, a piece that's a little bit bigger. So I'm going to try to – I might get up to my old stopping grounds in, in central Michigan area, Mount Pleasant, where I went to school. So who knows? I uh, still yeah, got yeah. A, about a month to plan it, but getting fired up. And uh, like Ben said, you'll definitely be able to see any hunts we – successfully get on film on the Michigan Whitefield Pursuit uh, channel. Mine last year, shot a nice bird, came out. Everything was 
perfect, but my camera was pointed a little bit too far into the horizon um, <laughs> versus the ground, and it was so early that all it was picking up was the the pink sky and the ground looked black. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm right. that I remember I showed you that, and as soon as I shot, yep. all you could see were tricky silhouettes flying up into the sky. I'm, I thought I nailed it, and sure enough, get back there, I totally missed it. But uh, hopefully I can make up for that this year, so we'll see. Did you know that at the time of the shot, or was that after your exit interview and that that you figured that out? Oh, no, I did the whole interview, everything. I thought I was good to go. <laughs> okay. That's what I wanted because your exit interview, I mean, you sounded stoked and awesome. Like, yeah, I figured you are probably in the mode yet that it all was just perfect. Yeah. Was great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it I, it, it, I, I saw him in their roost. I had him put to bed from the night before. I mean, it was like. I think it's how you're supposed to do it. I'm not a great turkey hunter, but I think it's how you're supposed to do it. And sure enough, they came out, and yeah. But anyway, it was a nice bird. Hopefully, I can do that again this year. Um, that was opening morning, so that that early season seems to be better luck for me, at least in the past. But For sure. So challenging to film them. I, I know with mine last year, the second to last day, 40 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts. I forget. Uh, I think it was the uh, fluid head uh, slide base that threads on the bottom of the camera. So I ended up using a zip tie to zip tie that thing right to the tripod and fluid head. And, you know, it, it did come together, but it was, you know, it was pretty touch and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are secrets we should Always probably something. keep to ourselves, but no, that's right. okay. <laughs> No, I know Brian. Brian got a taxi cam, and and I think he's uh, excited to try to get one down too. Are you taking the bow or the gun, Brian? Uh, I should probably stick with the shotgun for turkeys. <laughs> you yeah. you might have seen one of the Copperhead videos where I had the same issue as you. I thought I had it perfect. This bird come in by himself, strutting in the early morning sunlight, and I was just so mesmerized. And I set the camera up perfectly and pulled the trigger, and then when I watched the footage, he had, his head had just gone out of the frame when I pulled the trigger. I was so disappointed. Oh, well, yeah. yep. Now, can you take more than one turkey in the spring in your state? In Pennsylvania, yes, you can take two. Okay. Wow, oh, interesting. Nice. Yeah, I wonder when Michigan's going to move to that. We're, we're getting a pretty good population, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, double the tag money. I'm sure they'll move to it real soon, then. Right. Right. Well, Ben, that was awesome. Uh, I'm really glad I got you on here. I learned a ton of stuff, in, including uh, a lot about the UP. I think it's beautiful up there. I've never hunted it. Taking my kids up there this summer for uh, a week. I'm really excited to do that. And I just think it's a place I need to spend more time. So thanks so much for coming on and, and telling us all about it. You bet. Thanks for having me. No problem. If anybody wants to find out more about Ben and Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, I know I talk about the website on here, michiganwhitetailpursuit.com. What's your property address in the UP? <laughs> All right. So this is what you do. You go to the maps. You find Drummond Island, okay? And then we're just about three miles east of Drummond Island. <laughs> Bring your waiters. <laughs> All right. No, I appreciate that. Is there anything else you wanted to hit tonight before we wrap this up? No, really. Um, no, I, I appreciate the time. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, just keep in mind we got our season 10 coming up with uh, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, and we're, we're pretty excited about that being our, our 10-year anniversary, so it should be extra special. So watch out for that. Awesome, Ben. Well, guys, thank you, Ben, so much for coming on the Habitat Podcast tonight. We really appreciate it. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Brian, what did you think about that, buddy? Another great one. Uh, really learned a lot from Ben. Uh, another thing I want to just reiterate and uh, keep touching on the, on the fact that, you know, don't be afraid to reach out for help and check into some of these programs. I mean, I checked into a few of myself. I've worked with the Soil Conservation 
officers in Ohio and uh, used the tree program in Pennsylvania for some discounted uh, seedlings also. But uh, there's so much more out there. You know, I, I need to be better at it, uh, doing a little more research. And uh, I would just let our listeners know, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to some of these government organizations. I know a lot of people say, ah, the government's, you know, they're involved in our lives enough. I don't want to be calling and getting them involved in my business. But there are some good things out there I think we can all benefit from. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, to, to Ben's other point, the soil sample. I mean, that's something I took for granted the first couple of years and never even never even did one. So I think I'm glad you touched on that, um, you know, specifically because, like our, you know, Nick at Killer Food Plus, he talks about that, and everybody talks about that before you go wasting your money. But until you do it right. and you actually get your results back and, and look at how crummy your soil might be or how great it is, um, you really do not know what you're doing when you're throwing your seed out there. You're not really helping it out. So I think that was For pretty sure. cool that uh, that he covered that. But Speaking of Killer Food Plots, I'd like to thank them for being a sponsor on the Habitat Podcast. I'd also like to thank Michigan Whitetail Pursuit and Ben for coming on the show today. Dip that hydrographics. Brian just got his badass muzzle over back, and I can't wait to get my gun in there soon. I cannot wait to uh, figure out what camo pattern I'm going to do. I'm not sure yet, but I did the, the ASAT on my shotgun before. And I really like that, so I might nice. do that again. Um, yeah. Right. So, anyways, I want to thank Gabe at Dip That Hydrographics, Nick Nation at the Habitat Hook. It's hinge cutting season, guys. Check out his website. And then, last but not least, we have Lincoln Roan, the Packer Max line of Culta Packers. People who are going to be doing their spring plots want to check that out here very soon. So, once again. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Habitat Podcast. You can find us at HabitatPodcast.com, Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Like I say, wherever you can get a podcast, we should be on there. Thanks for tuning in. Get out there and be safe, guys, and uh, another episode here for you soon.